pelvic posse and welcome to the empower your pelvis podcast it's amanda and morgan we have helped thousands of people with pelvic floor issues and it's totally our jam here you can listen to expert interviews encompassing all things related to pelvic health that is pee poop sex and everything in between you have a pelvic floor yes you we all do and it's time to start talking about issues that may arise but more importantly how to improve them we are so glad you are here to join us now let's head into this week's episode of the empower your pelvis podcast Hey, Pelvic Posse, welcome back to the Empower Your Pelvis podcast. This weekend, the Empower Your Pelvis staff uh, took a fertility course at the clinic. We treat a lot of patients with endometriosis, PCOS, the list goes on and on. And we wanted to learn or dive a little bit deeper into learning about how we can actually optimize the treatments of fertility that are coming into the clinic. So today we're going to go over in this podcast, kind of a round table with everyone who took the course this weekend and our staff. We want to discuss our biggest takeaways from the weekend and what we think um, would be the most excited for you all to hear that we learned. All right. So for the first time ever, the Empower Your Pelvis staff, we're going to go ahead and introduce ourselves. I'll go first. I'm Amanda Fisher. I'm Marin Cole. Erica Magruder. Heather Evans. And I'm Morgan Clark. All right. So before we dive too deep into this, um, let's go through like how long you've been a PT. So we're going to have to do the math. Uh, I graduated, uh, I'm going on 12 years, I think for myself. This is Marin. Um, I'm going on three years. Awesome. Erica, seven years. Okay. Heather, <laughs> um, I think I'm at like 15 ish, 15, 16. That's awesome. And Morgan, I'm going on five. Fantastic. So we took this course, we walked away, we took it through Herman and Wallace for anybody who's a PT listening. Um, we all, when the course was done and even at lunchtime, we're kind of comparing notes and realizing it was way better than expected. I think we all came through with little clinical pearls that we could take away and use with our patients day one on Monday. I know everybody was yes. so excited to get their hands on patients and, um, let's just kind of go around the table. What was your, your biggest takeaway for like you as a clinician? I think my biggest thing was just the importance of how much adhesions can affect your fertility. And so, I mean, and it all makes sense if you think about it, like everything has to happen so perfectly in order to conceive. And if there are adhesions from anything that can just throw off the whole process. And, and not only can we use this for our fertility patients, but like, for example, I had a patient yesterday um, she'd had endometriosis excision two weeks ago, and we can use our physical therapy techniques that we learned to help prevent adhesions for her following surgery. So for fertility, but also for other reproductive organ conditions. Absolutely. And to piggyback off of that adhesions, just even from umbilical or hernia repairs and yeah. appendix surgeries, and not even your typical reproductive surgeries, but all these things. Um, I just had a patient that came in with, she had her hernia repaired umbilically, um, two times. And that was causing some of that tension all the way down to her uterus and down to her bladder. And it was just so interesting that she has these, all these different symptoms, but had no idea that they were interconnected. And I feel like that course really kind of helped connect the dots for me in that way. I think it was neat to hear too, that viscerally, so organs, they heal so much faster than musculoskeletal tissue. So for instance, Heather's patient coming in two weeks after the endo surgery, perfect timing because those scars and adhesions had healed in those two week time frame compared to if it was a knee or a shoulder, like we may have had to wait to see them for six to eight weeks. So it prime time for us to be able to help them, you know, with blood flow circulation and even more healing before the 
scar tissue really starts to lay down its foundation. I would say something that I thought was super interesting um, that we all talked a lot about was position of the uterus. This is something that a lot of our patients come in and say, like, whether they're even trying to conceive or not, they say, oh, my doctor told me I have a retroverted uterus. And to be honest, before this weekend, I was like, okay, great. Thanks for letting me know. Let's move on. But now we learn that we can actually potentially help with a lot of these patients. Um, Your uterus is supposed to be in one position. It's supposed to be antiverted, but a lot of women experience it in a different position. And we learn the muscles that are involved with holding it in certain positions and things like that. So we can use our manual techniques to help these people. And I just thought that was amazing because it's something that I thought we really didn't have a lot of effect on. Agreed. And I, I thought too, so when we think about fertility issues, I know a lot of times we think about people who can't get pregnant for the first time, which that was definitely my case that I went through. But one thing that once we learned it, I was kind of like, oh my gosh, that's so obvious is with people with secondary infertility um, and secondary infertility can happen for a variety of reasons. But for our mamas that had a C-section the first time, I mean, there can be so many adhesions from C-sections. And so we work on that outside of the fertility world, but it just made a lot of sense that that would need to be work that would definitely need to be done if someone's had a C-section and wanting to try to conceive a second baby. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. One thing they talked on that is just systemic is inflammation. So I haven't had a lot of exposure to fertility issues, fertility problems. So I hadn't had to think of it much before now. And then they brought it up and I'm like, oh my, yes, that it makes complete sense. But just how like there are so many different factors that you can personally control to decrease your inflammation, whether that be your lifestyle, your type of exercise, the quality of sleep you're getting, your food diet. And so just being able to like counsel people and kind of take that whole body approach and be like, Hey, like you do have the power to change what's happening here. And like, this is how you can do it. This is how you can help yourself. So being able to give people things that they can do. So they feel like, all right, I can do something on this. Like I can help control it a little. Yeah, definitely. And to see that we were talking about patients who are currently going through IVF and how we can aid and supplement in their IVF experience Mm -hmm. leading up to it. Because a lot of times patients that I've seen who are IVFers, they feel out of control in a lot of ways because they're always told you have to be at this point at this time and this many times and to put this shot in your body and whatnot. And when you hear like, oh, I can maybe do some, like Erica was saying with diet, or I can do stuff with physical therapy or Mm movement-based, it really does give them this like sense of autonomy with their fertility journey, which I think will be really cool to see play out with IVF people that we weren't really sure how to navigate in our clinic before. And now we have a whole different kind of view on that. Do you guys remember the statistics on like IVF? Was it 20 to 40%? chance of getting pregnant, mm-hmm. but then when coincided with public floor PT, it was higher, like 60. Yeah. I think it was like 50 plus or 50 something. Plus, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So just hearing that, like if I was going through treatments, I would want to couple that with public floor PT mm-hmm. and boost your odds. Right. Yeah. Gives you a better chance of having um, a successful pregnancy, yeah. which and is th- really cool to hear. I think what was interesting too, which I have not been through a, the fertility journey and I have not had children yet. And this is Morgan. Um, but what I, what I thought was interesting is that the instructor was like, some people are really great at getting pregnant. It's the staying pregnant. That is the other issue. And she was like talking about how we can affect what's going on with their pelvic floor and their organs and what can really be important to sustain pregnancy. And I mean, we work in a clinic that is primarily women and trying to conceive years. And so we hear a lot of people that have had miscarriages and go through these things. And so to kind of feel like we have a little bit of, you know, control or help with those patients. I am very excited about. 
Another clinical portal that I found really just proud that she was going over was the menstrual cycles and how that is really like, I've always said like, it's your report card. I forget what she had used for that. Uh, But it really tells you a whole lot about, you know, your past month or your past couple of months, because hormones typically take about 90 days to change. So if you're going to have like PCOS, like myself, you can have really either short irregular cycles or really long irregular cycles. And it's important not to know just like the day one of your spotting and bleeding, but to also know what is happening each day. And if you start to look at your month and even look at what's my mood like on day 21. And then if you start to see that kind of, you know, repeating itself over and over and start looking at what your diet is during that month too, or the stresses that can play into how your hormones are really, you know, playing into your menstrual cycle and what's going on. And I just, I think more women should be doing that. She did really say she's not keen on the apps. Correct. That's what I took away from it. Like she really wants you to write it down. Um, to really pay attention to all these other symptoms that the apps may not be asking you, or you aren't able to put in the app. Right. And this was not big when I was a kid or when I would go to the doctor, I probably 50% of the time made up my day one of starting. Oh, yeah. 100%, for sure. <laughs> so uh, until like two years ago, <laughs> if we can be, you know, know our, our calendar menstrual cycle more often, uh, as women, I think that's really cool that our body can tell us what's going on and what to pay attention to. I think, you know, we have one up over the guys here you can disagree if you want. Um, but really start to, if you've got little girls at home and they're starting to go through their menstrual cycles, get them a calendar and a planner. That's just for this stuff. Um, don't rely on the apps themselves. Yeah. Teach them young mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. I think the term that she used was it's your fifth vital sign. Oh, that's, oh, right. yeah. that's, that's really good. Good. true. Yeah. Cause there is there, I mean, even my own periods will fluctuate, not necessarily in time. I'm pretty regular, but it's interesting to see like on months that I'm not as healthy, that my, the bleeding looks different sure. or I spot differently or mm-hmm. I have more cramping or, yeah. and all of that really does make a difference. And before I even went into this field, I would have never thought about those things. And mm-hmm. to ask these questions more than not patients sometimes are, I wouldn't say embarrassed, but they're like, Oh, I don't know. I've never paid attention to it. I'm like, it's okay, but we need to start keeping a log so that you can go back through and kind of see what does, you know, your cycles look like when you have all these extraneous factors that are affecting it. And another question with that, when she was going over the menstrual cycle was when did you develop your breasts? Like, these are questions we should be asking our patients. Never. Come I, am, yeah. I wrote that. I remember like, I have no idea. And I don't think they're done yet. Yeah, yeah. And then they left after kids. But I thought that was an interesting question too. So for anybody who's got young gals, start paying attention. Like, did they pop up around eight years of age, 13 years of age? Um, she was really more concerned with anybody going, developing later. Yeah. Concerns are strong early. Yes. Very, or very early. Yeah. Um, and then she also mentioned too, like, um, differences in cultures or ethnicities yeah. for like your menstruation starting and for your menopause starting. Definitely. And that, that is like very common for that to be a norm, mm-hmm. right? Like I think it was Hispanic, Hispanic and, and African American women tended to start earlier for both their mm-hmm. menstrual cycle mm-hmm. and menopause. So that was kind of an interesting thing that I wasn't aware of. So if you are Hispanic or African-American coming into the clinic in your mid Mm forties, we might be asking your question if you've been having these discussions with your gynecologist, Mm -hmm. um, which I was unaware of that. Yeah. Same. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They could be more perimenopausal at that state Mm -hmm. or already have gone through it. And those are, you know, that may make more sense with the symptoms they're having. Right. Yeah. Super interesting. One of the things too, Erica and I were texting about later that night, we were both crampy after doing all this, which we were not expecting. Yes. Um, (laughs) 
This is Erica. I have not had cramps for eight months because I had a baby and I haven't yet had my menstrual cycle return. And I Morgan like mentioned, like I'm cramping and I'm like, what? Oh, that is what's what happening. Like, I literally didn't even know I was cramping. I was like, what is going on? And so that oh was very gosh. bizarre. I was like, this isn't enjoyable, but yeah. Did yeah. You, did you end up starting? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> yeah, she goes, if you induce my period, yeah. I'm going to be pissed <laughs> at you guys. Really uh, but yeah, we both had cramping for like an hour mm-hmm. afterwards. Um, and then it just kind of went away, yeah. but we were also talking, like we were practicing our lab skills during this mm-hmm. session. So like, um, we're going to let our patients know like, Hey, you may have some minor cramping afterwards, but like, it shouldn't be what we experienced. Cause we were really like practicing over and over again mm-hmm. on each other to try to learn what it was we yeah. were doing. Lots of so, different yeah. techniques yeah. and pressure. And, yes. yeah, lots yeah. Of, and like yeah. two and a half hours. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Compared to a shorter time frame for you in the clinic. Yes. yes. But it was, yes. uh, to me, it was like, wow, that we're really doing something. Yes. Like that's yeah. kind of what I was like. And I have sometimes it can be naive. Things. Yes. Yeah. Cause I'm sometimes naive to listen to my body. I'll be like, oh, I don't know. But I was like, oh, that's definitely <laughs> trying to tell me something. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. Which was wild. Mm-hmm. Heather, with the endometriosis mm-hmm. diagnosis, did you take, have any takeaways from this weekend with that? That maybe you. I mean, I before? think the two big things were so. For example, like right after surgery, like my one patient I had this yeah. week, get in to therapy as soon as your doctor releases you. Get in mm-hmm. soon because, like Amanda said, those organs are going to heal a lot faster than like a sprained ankle would. So we mm-hmm. want to start moving them around so that you don't have adhesions return. Um, and then the other thing is, even if you haven't had surgery, I mean, it would definitely still help. It, we see a lot of women for endometriosis for, you know, other types of treatments, but we could definitely add this in to just really move things around in the belly, like move the peritoneum, which is kind of the, what holds everything together. Um, you know, work on making sure that the organs aren't kind of stuck on each other. And so, um, you know, we have to work in combination with the doctors with endometriosis, of course, mm-hmm. and perhaps they might need surgery, but as a team approach, I definitely want to start doing this with all of my patients who have endometriosis. Yeah. Yeah. And excision surgeries. Mm-hmm. It also makes me think of, um, hysterectomies as well. Cause mm-hmm. I've, I currently have a patient who has struggled with endo for the past 10 years. And she's to the point she's getting a hysterectomy in a couple of weeks, um, because they've done excision surgeries and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And we're having her follow up within a week to do different kind of mobilizations. Cause mm-hmm. that was another thing from the classes, yeah. your organ tissue heals so much quicker than your muscle tissue mm-hmm. and your nerve tissue. And so to be able to already help facilitate that healing is, was a really awesome thing to take away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One to go along with the endometriosis, another diagnosis we learned about this weekend. Yeah. We, we see it all the time in the clinic. Um, we've tried going out to doctors and letting them know if patients are coming in with PCOS polycystic ovarian syndrome, um, to send them in. Cause most of them will come in with pelvic pain. And then it's a side note of, Oh, I have PCOS. Mm-hmm. And we started seeing this probably right before COVID realizing like, gosh, are you seeing this diagnosis come in over and over? Um, one thing that, you know, she was going over was PCOS does have a pretty strong connection with any thyroid issues or thyroid disorders. And one statement she said about that was the thyroid is not stable enough. A thyroid that is not stable enough is birth enough birth control for the body. So meaning if you are hypothyroidism, hyperthyroidism, that can play off enough where you might be more in risk for miscarriages, you know, any kind of autoimmune disorders that you have underneath that thyroid umbrella may play into that too. So thinking back to, I believe it was Erica who had mentioned, like, how do we decrease the inflammation in our body work with a dietitian guys, or a nutritionist that can help you focus on the right nutrition for you. But like 
PCOS myself, I was told no sugar, no gluten, get that inflammation out. And then for some of us PCOSers, like the lack of, um, or decreasing the amount of dairy in our diet can be very helpful too. But those big two are the gluten and the sugar. Mm-hmm. Um, she also said to get a reproductive endocrinologist on your yes. team too, mm-hmm. to make sure that you're to piggyback off of your, you know, dietitian or some of the changes you're making, which that was really interesting to add to your team. If you've got quite an extensive team, but I think if we could start to kind of put the puzzle pieces in place for our fertility patients, this would be a really, really fun thing to watch grow. Absolutely. Another thing that she mentioned that isn't so much something we can treat in our clinic, but we can definitely talk to patients and then talk to you guys about it is that a lot of times there's not enough, um, effort put in testing the males. And so a third of, so it's typically like a third of infertility is male factor, a third of infertility is female oriented. And then a third is kind of combination or unknown. And so a third is a lot. And so, and then the male testing is decently easy and inexpensive in the fertility world. And so if you are going through all this as a female and your partner hasn't been tested yet, get his semen tested, get him to a urologist because that could definitely be part of the issue. And he might need to have some of those inflammatory Mm -hmm. issues as well. Like she mentioned, it's not just the women that have to cut back on alcohol and different things like that. He might have to also. Something else to piggyback on that, that we all thought was really interesting is unexplained fertility has got to be one of the most frustrating things to hear from a doctor and something she mentioned, which isn't necessarily our call, but it's to get another opinion or to find another doctor who maybe your doctor just hasn't found your answer. So adding physical therapy into it, maybe we're not going to make you fertile, but maybe you had a past history that no one's asked you about, or maybe your uterus is tilted and you never knew about it, or the doctors thought it wasn't a big deal. There's so many factors that go into being infertile, unexplained infertility, while it's extremely common to hear, most likely that's not what it is. There's usually an explanation that no one's found. So if that's someone that if you're dealing with that and they've just told you it's unexplained, find someone else, do research, you know, look around your area, whatever, because more likely than not, they're, they're going to find something. Mm -hmm. So I thought that that was really important. That's one perk we have seeing you as a physical therapist. And that's just being a PT in general compared to Mm -hmm. physicians. We have so much more time with you. So we have a full hour to ask you (laughs) all these questions that, you know, may have possibly gotten missed at some point. So, Mm -hmm. you know, she was mentioning that in the first day with the patient pursuing fertility, you know, 40 minutes of your appointment could be asking you questions and going through your menstrual history and going through all those things. And so we have a lot more time. A lot of times with physicians, they are having to, you know, work you into smaller slots. And so adding a PT on your team for fertility, I feel like could just be a huge advantage because, you know, there could just be something else that hasn't been talked about yet. And also to what we do is you know, relatively less invasive than all the other things that you're doing. If you are pursuing Mm -hmm. IVF and all those things. So to me, I mean, obviously this is what we do and we're passionate about it, but it's a no brainer to add a PT. And we definitely learned that coming off this weekend. Whereas before we were like, I'm a little nervous to touch a person who is having fertility issues. What do we do? And now we're like, give us all the people who are struggling (laughs) with fertility because it is a no brainer. It's much less expensive. It's a, in the scheme of the fertility world, adding PT can make a huge difference. And considering how much else you may be paying, it would be a large benefit for a small amount of money. Mm -hmm. So we talked a lot about how, like, this is a fertility course. And then it also applies to like so many other diagnoses. So like, remember that, like, it's not just for people who are 
wanting to try to conceive. But if you are, and you're wondering like what this plan of care would look like, she did mention her recommendation is typically two to three months of treatment prior to beginning IVF and once a week. And then the time we really want to focus on is right after you started your menstrual cycle up to ovulation. So that's when we're going to be seeing you ideally is that two to three months before one time a week. And then I think that's so valuable, not only for the manual skills, but the other stuff we've talked about, like those education pieces and like trying to make those diet changes, trying to make these other changes to really like prime your body. Cause like Heather knows and has said is like, you spend a lot of money on this. This is a big commitment. So like, let's do everything we can to get your body ready. And like in the best condition before you're jumping into all of that good stuff. All right. So as we're wrapping up, she had a lot of good one-liners. Yeah. So why don't you guys, let's say our favorite one-liner. And oh, if it's the man. same, that's totally fine. Uh, my first one was, I thought <laughs> for people that are dealing with chronic UTIs, yeast infections, or bacterial vaginosis, um, <laughs> oh, yeah. floss, have your partner floss. Cause that could come oh, on God, from, yeah. you know, oral sex. And I never put the two and two together. So yeah. for some reason that just sticks in my brain. I was going to say, I think my favorite was what Amanda already mentioned, which was the unstable thyroid being um, the best, you know, a perfectly good form of birth control. So um, not that, not that we're saying, you know, count that as your birth control, but saying <laughs> that came out wrong, but saying that if you're trying to get pregnant, you have to get that thyroid checked out. But I thought that that was just the way she put it was, yeah. it just cut right to the point. Like you've got to figure out what's going on with the thyroid. Yeah. So this isn't quite a one-liner, but it's the best I can do. Um, they had a, <laughs> a little amount of research. It was more like a case study and a therapist followed 10 of her patients who had been infertile. So they hadn't been able to conceive for 12 months. They were all trying to conceive naturally. She worked with them for this two to three months, these manual techniques. There were 10 of them total after their manual therapy. Within three months of completing it, six of the 10 people conceived. Six of those 10 people got pregnant. So I thought that was really stinking cool. And had six live births. Yeah. So they carried. Yes. 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 So they conceived, they carried, they had live births. Yeah. That's awesome to me. Yeah. I would say too, maybe kind of what Marion was saying earlier, I really stuck with me, the unexplained infertility, potentially there's a big percentage of that percentage of people who say they have unexplained infertility is that they just haven't had the right provider, had the right tools added to their toolbox to help actually explain the underlying issue. Mm -hmm. So she was basically saying like, it is very rare to truly have unexplained infertility. And so maybe there's just things that we still haven't opened up yet. So I, I liked that because that I cannot imagine getting that, you know, that diagnosis or someone saying that to me and you there's your hope is gone. And so that just gave back a lot of hope to people and for us to be able to say that in our clinic too. Okay, I'm gonna go with the floss thing too. I just think that was hilarious because <laughs> I it's not just with the floss, but I think there's a lot of times when women come into our clinic and it's it should be all about them because they're the ones in our clinic, but we forget that there's often a partner and it's not just the woman. So pain with sex, okay. Well, what's your partner situation? Is his penis curvy? You know, there's there's all these things that we I think we forget, even though we know it's there. So we don't want to just blame the women for what is going on with their bodies because it's not necessarily their fault. 
and I think I already spoke, but um, <laughs> she wanted to, um, she pimps out on orgasms, oh, which yeah, I thought was, was fantastic because she said the that. uterus has to contract. If it's not contracting and having blood flow and circulation down there, then, you know, we're kind of missing a piece there too. So clitoral stimulation, y'all, that's going to help with that blood flow and circulation. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, you know, if insertion with what's considered intercourse is uncomfortable with inserting anything in, like still get that clitoral stimulation for anything that's going on with everything we talked about today. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. All right. Everybody want to say where they can find you on Instagram. We know our website empoweryourpelvis.com, but what about individually? Are you guys cool with that? I'm, um, I'm at Heather Evans DPT. Um, and then I'm also at learning to breathe book. I have two. So, um, I'm a there girl. I'm there. I'm there. This is Heather. <laughs> This is Erica and I don't, I'm not really active on Instagram, so it wouldn't be worth your while to find me. (laughs) You'll see me on Empower Your Pelvis Instagram. I don't remember my Instagram right now. I believe it's, oh, it's Marin Cole DPT. (laughs) I recently changed it because I recently got married. (laughs) All right, y'all. If you have any questions, just send us an email or an Instagram message or, you know, always like and subscribe to this show because we love it and we want to share all this information for you guys. Have a great day. Pelvic Posse, we want to thank you so much for joining us for today's episode of the Empower Your Pelvis podcast. Can we ask you a couple of favors, please? Number one, can you like and subscribe to this podcast so that you will continue to empower your pelvis forever so that you will never miss out? Number two, can you leave us a rating and a review? Tell them how amazing we are and everything that you have learned about your pelvic health. And then number three, if you haven't seen the video version to this podcast, you can go over to youtube.com forward slash C forward slash empower your pelvis for all of our visual learners out there. We have all types of great visuals in there for you to not only listen to, but to watch. Thanks so much again. And make sure to give your pelvis some love until next time. Peace Peace out pelvic posse.